Today is the February 27th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is on the Holy Spirit. If you would like to support our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Today's reading is in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Um, Feel free to uh, follow along in a Bible you brought with you or one in the pews, or uh, just be blessed by listening. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to be, that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Father God, thank you for bringing your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit giving us the power to reject sin, Lord, and to live a life that uh, pleases you. I thank the Holy Spirit for helping helping us to obey you and, Lord, to, um, to keep your commandments. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because with the Holy Spirit, we can, the Holy Spirit will teach us and, Lord, keep us, uh, and keep us informed, Lord, and give us knowledge uh, with, the, with the use of your word. And, uh, Lord, I want to thank you for giving us this opportunity to uh, meet together and worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. I thank you that uh, Pastor Steve, our pastor, loves the Lord, and he loves us, and he loves your word. And please put on his heart what he would have him teach us, and help us to listen and take to heart what what we hear. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. It's great to see each one of you here this morning, this Lord's Day, this 27th day of February 2022. It's glad we, it's good to be together. Um, you all aware of what's going on in Ukraine and things have been disrupted quite a bit. There's a lot of Christians over there. I'll tell you about that a little bit more later. But um, who knows where they're at, but we know that God's in control. God's spirit is with them, but we can be here and we're thankful for that, a time where we can worship the Lord together, we can sing together, we can uh, hear teaching from his word, uh, where we can also have a time of fellowship. About a month ago, I talked about different godly attitudes, different character qualities that God wants us to have. We talked about being humble, being attentive, being courageous, being ones who are faithful and, 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 and holy and positive, many other qualities besides these. And, and having these qualities is essential if we're to be Christ-like, if we're to live in the way that, that Christ wants us to live. 
And today I want to talk about a major key to being Christ-like, and that is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be Christ-like. No person on his own, by his own power or ability, can be Christ-like. It takes God's power, which is the power, then, of the Holy Spirit. John 14, I won't go there now. Jeff just read that, but it's talking about the Holy Spirit, one of the best passages on the Holy Spirit. There's another couple that are really, really important, one in Galatians 5, one in Romans 8. But here he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus knew the Holy Spirit well. The Holy Spirit was God, and just like Jesus was God, they had been together since eternity past. Uh, they knew each other well, of course. Uh, they were perfectly united. They were continually communicating together. Amazing. And during Jesus' life on earth, the, the Spirit indwelt Christ, and the Spirit led Christ, the Spirit empowered Christ, and the Holy Spirit worked through Christ. And there's no doubt that the, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus had a very close relationship. And, of course, it was a perfect relationship that they loved each other very deeply. John chapter, excuse me, Luke 4 this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. And it says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And he's always full of the Spirit during his whole ministry. Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led around by the Spirit. Just a little glimpse into the working of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, their relationship. God the Father is the one, of course, as we read in John 14, is the one who gives the Spirit to people. And he alone has the right to do this. No, no person, no one can receive, uh, can get the Spirit on their own power by their own ability. They just can't do it. The Spirit is, is a gift from God and the best gift you could ever receive. Y'all receive gifts at times on, on occasions like birthdays or, or Christmas. And sometimes you get gifts you really don't like. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit is, the, I believe, the best gift you could ever receive. And you need the Holy Spirit to be uh, spiritually uh, holy, to be blameless, to be godly, to be and do all that God wants you to do. The Holy Spirit we see in that text is called the helper. The actual Greek word is the word parakaleo, which you see when you read Greek, uh, English translations. It's translated in many different ways. Helper is just one way. Other translations of this word parakaleo, which means called alongside, the word comforter, Counselor, uh, intercessor, uh, advocate, and encourager. But, you know, I like the word helper the best. And the reason why I like the word helper is because the Holy Spirit wants to help us wherever we are at or whatever we are going through. So whatever happens in your life as you go through the week and go through the months is the Holy Spirit there is there to help you. He wants to help you. He wants to serve you. He wants to give you power and encouragement and comfort and consolation. And he wants you to have fellowship with him. That verse, we've, we've said it many times, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's intriguing. He could have said a lot of things in that last part with the Spirit, but it says fellowship. And sometimes we think of having fellowship with God or with Christ, and that's good. That's We should do that. It's uh, we have this trinity, but, but it says there the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, uh, this Holy Spirit is one who is, is instrumental, is key. You can't have fellowship with God or Christ apart from the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit. He's omniscient. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows your problems. He knows your needs. He knows how you're tempted by the devil. And he wants to help you. He wants to help you and serve you, again, in any way that you need this help. The Holy Spirit is with you forever. He'll never leave you. I want you to turn your Bibles. I like this passage here, Psalm 139. Uh, to you, many of you, I'm sure it's familiar. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. Psalm 139, verse 7. First verse there, where can I go from your spirit? This sets the stage for this whole, this whole passage here. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. This is important. Holy Spirit is with you all the time. You are not alone. You're never alone. 
He'll never leave you or forsake you, whether you're in heaven or whether you are on the earth. And this is most important. We're all relational people. Some of you are more relational than others, which means you really like to be with people and you want to you know, be in touch with people. Some of you don't mind being by yourself. Well, that's fine. But the point here is this, is you've always got the Holy Spirit with you. And that's part of what the Christian life is to be like, where you understand, I'm not alone. I might want to be with somebody or call somebody or hang out with somebody or talk to somebody, but I got the Holy Spirit. And, and having that mindset for you as a Christian is very important, that you can have this relationship, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You never have to feel afraid. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you are secure and you are strong and you have companionship and you have this fellowship. So, so encouraging. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? When a person gets saved, then the Spirit actually comes inside him and lives in him and stays in him. We all understand the concept of the Old Testament. Uh, the Jews had the temple, and it was God's presence that dwelt in that temple. But now, this, this truth, this is, this is one of the most amazing truths I could share about the Holy Spirit is it now that you are a child of God? You are actually a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a temple of the living God because the Holy Spirit is God. You are a temple. The Spirit lives in you. If indeed you are a Christian, he lives in you. Amazing miracle. A spiritual, supernatural work of God that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's the most wonderful, incredible gift that you have the Holy Spirit. God couldn't have done anything better for you my opinion, than he then living in you through the Holy Spirit. It's such an important thing. As 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, you're not your own. You're, you are God's. God owns you, and God possesses you, and he is to be in charge of your life, and we see that then through the working and the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, 16, and 17 says that the Spirit, Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. That's very important. He's the Holy Spirit, is a spirit of, of truth. That means he's always right, he's always true, he's always honest, he never errs, he never lies, he never, never shares any falsehood. All that the Spirit does is based on, on the truth. And all that the Spirit says and speaks and teaches is the truth. John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 14 Verse 14 of John 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So we see here we have the spirit of truth, and Jesus, of course, too, then he was a man of truth. He was full of the truth. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was filled then with the Holy Spirit who was the truth. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he was always speaking and communicating God's word. We understand that. But now in these days, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals and communicates truth to us. If you know any truth at all, if you really know in your heart that is, not just in your head, but in your heart, is because the Holy Spirit has, has taught you that truth, has revealed that truth with, with you. And you need this truth. You have to have the spirit of truth. If you're to live in the way that God wants, if you're to be who God wants you to be, if you're to do what God wants you to do. John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify is just a word that means be holy. We need to be holy. The way you're made holy is by the truth. That's the key. And, of course, the Holy Spirit and the adjective for the Spirit, you could have a lot of adjectives for this. It's holy. The Holy Spirit of truth wants you to be holy, and that's what he does. And so we, Spirit then is trying to teach you God's word, because God's word is God's truth, and is the means by which you can be holy. And if you then are filled up with God's word, then you're filled up with his truth then, and you can be holy and sanctified in the way that God wants. And your goal then... One of your primary goals as a Christian, one of the top two or three things, is to get God's truth in you, to deeply think about the truth of God, the Word of God. That's one of the, the main reasons why it's important to meditate on God's Word, Joshua 1.8, 1 
Psalm 1-2 talks about meditating on God's word. Meditating or thinking, or let me say deeply thinking about God's word is important. That results then in God's truth being embedded in your heart. As people, we all know that we think about a lot of things. Every day you're thinking about something. But are you thinking about the truth of God? And that is so important then for 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 thinking of God's word so his truth then is, is dwelling in you. Psalm 51, 6 says, it says it this way. It says, you desire truth. That is, God desires truth in the inner innermost being. And the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. God wants there to be this truth in your innermost being, down to the core, the center of who you are. And it's by the Holy Spirit that does this. In the hidden part, the part that you can't see. This is, this again, this is essential for your life as a Christian. Now, the world, the unbelievers, we read this in John 14, they cannot accept the Holy Spirit. They don't receive the Holy Spirit. They're not born again by the Spirit. They're not saved by the Spirit. They don't know the Spirit. The Spirit of God does not live in them. In fact, non-Christians have rejected the Spirit. And with that, then, they have rejected the truth that the Spirit wants to give them. John chapter 16, let's go there. John has a number of verses, more than the other Gospels, about the truth. John 16, verses 5 through 11. John 16, verse 5 says, Now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. To your advantage. They're thinking, the disciples thinking, we don't want you to go anyplace. Please don't leave us. But, but why was the Holy Spirit advantage, an advantage? Because the Holy Spirit would be in them and be with them all the time. And Jesus, as a human being, couldn't be. And so that's, that's what he's saying there. And he goes on, verse 8, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak in his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. So you see the, the working of the spirit with Jesus. He is to glorify. He is to make sure that, the, that Jesus is glorified. That is his role. But that verse 12 and 13 he will guide you into all the truth. And that's an important prayer. Holy Spirit, guide me. Help me to understand. Help me to know the truth and the truth that I need. Every one of you are very unique people. And there's lots of different truths in this Bible. And so you want to say, Lord, teach me the truth that I need for where I'm at, for what I'm going through. And he can do it. And that's one of the keys is you being willing to learn the truth that God wants to teach you. And so this, the Christian, uh, you've, been, uh, you've been born again by the Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit, and you know the Spirit. You have a relationship with the Spirit, and you to be sensitive to the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. But here you have these unbelievers, because sometimes we, we wonder, and you shouldn't really wonder too much, because we live in this world, and, and difficult things happen. Sometimes really crazy things and very sinful things take place, and we wonder, Why? Well, you have the unbelievers are ones who have rejected the, 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 the convicting work of the Spirit. We read there, and it's really just a couple parts. This section in John talks about his work with the unbelievers there. That's verses 8, 9, and 10. Then the work with the believers after that. So the Spirit then is working with the unbelievers, trying to convict them of the truth. And, of course, then he's working with us, trying to reveal the truth to us. But you have, you have non-Christians. They're not interested in the Spirit. They're not interested in the truth. I mean, I, I love, this is one of my favorite passages that sums up what people are interested in that aren't saved. And there's other things, but these four words sum it up. I put F's in front of each one of them. This is Luke 6, 24 and 26. This really hits at the heart of a lot of how Americans think. Number one, food. Well, not number one's in the order. First one is food. People love their food. Two, fun. They love fun things. Let's have fun. Let's have some pleasure. Next, fame. 
more and more in our culture. Man, what is my Facebook like? What is my Instagram like? What is this? Man, I want people to see me and what I'm like. Food, fun, fame, and finally fortune, which is money and finances. That's it. You think about that for our country. People want their food. They want their fun. They want their fame. They want their fortune. That's Luke 6, 24 to 26. Those four words aren't necessarily shared there, but that's what it's actually saying. But that's not for us. That's to non-Christians. We're to be ones who are living for the Lord. John 14, this question, well, if I could go back there, John 14, 18 and 19. I says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Meaning, of course, that the world wouldn't physically see him, but believers would see him in a spiritual sense. That's what he's saying right there. And then he says, because I live, you also will live. So how do we see and know Jesus? It's through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's through the presence and the power of the working of the Holy Spirit. That's it. How can you know Jesus is through the Spirit? And how do we live in the way that God wants? Through the Holy Spirit. You cannot live in the way God wants apart from the Spirit. How is Christ in you and how is Christ living his life in you? Through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's essential. This is a huge subject. It probably should take more than just one week, but I also want to talk about here. But the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you might say, well, why am I not doing so good as a Christian? Well, I'd say one of the first answers, well, the Holy Spirit's not working in your heart. If that's the case, you're not doing so good as a Christian. The Holy Spirit's not working in your heart and life the way it should, or he should. That, that's, that's a good answer. The Holy Spirit needs to be working in you for you to be the person God wants. Now, in these verses in, in John, John, Jesus is telling them that, that, that he is going away. And, and he wants them to know, though, that the Spirit is going to be coming. We know this is, relates to the day of Pentecost. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter, Acts, the book of Acts has a lot about the Spirit. Galatians 5 has a lot about the Spirit. Romans 8 has a lot about the Spirit. And John 14 and 16 have a lot about the Spirit. Those are the four really key passages. But, but why don't you turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to see this here. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So the church started, and it relates to the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. This church actually started that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit sent by God to this earth and started working in the lives of people. I want to read a number of verses here. I'm just going to go through a number of verses in Acts. You're going to see in the first part of the book of Acts, there's a lot said about the Spirit. And, and so the, the understanding is, is pretty simple, is that, that the church grows by the work of the Spirit. Acts 2.38 Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A person who then is saved is one who has received the gift of the Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Peter spoke, and he was filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's one of the main themes you see here, is that when the believers were speaking forth the Word of God, they were at that same time then filled with the Spirit. That is, the speaking of the Word of God with power relates to the Holy Spirit filling you up with power. We continue, 431, Acts 431. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Again, a connection here. And, and people say, well, aren't you just filled once and that's it? I don't know all the dynamics here. But I knew those, know, do know there is a dynamic and there's degrees of being filled with the Spirit, okay? Yeah, but here it says they prayed. So there's this connection. Say, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Well, pray. God, fill me. And not just so I can feel good. What's the purpose here? Speak the word of God with boldness. We continue. Chapter 5, verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back some of the price of the land? We read when, 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 when um, uh, 
this Ananias and Sapphira sinned, they were sinning against the Holy Spirit, which, which simply means anytime we ever sin, we are sinning against God, of course, and against Jesus, but here it's specifically against the Holy Spirit. And if you think about this, the fact that, that we as believers, the Spirit indwells in us, we are sinning against God, against the Holy Spirit who actually is living in us. It's, it's a real, it's a grievous thing to sin at all, but to sin when we're sinning against the Holy Spirit. We see in chapter 6, verses 3 and five, three to 5, it says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Um, we, we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Leaders in the church need to be ones who are filled with the Spirit. You're not going to have a leader for God's people if he's not one who's being filled with the Spirit. It has to happen. There's got to be this filling, this empowering with the Spirit. We continue chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had reserved, received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, you might wonder, well, wait a minute. Do we need people to come and pray over us? No, I don't think so. But this happened. This is the start of the early church. So there's some connection here when people were just getting saved Disciples are coming, the apostles were praying. They were then being filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 9, verse 17. And Nice departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul then was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. We... we not going to, of course, look at extensively at Paul's life, but we understand Paul was a very godly man. And one reason you can say that because he was a man who was on a regular basis filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what was going on. I mean, you think about any godly Christian, any place, any time in our church age, they're godly, they're doing what God wants because they're filled with the Spirit. There's a connection here too. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how the Spirit gives us gifts of the Spirit, another important section there. And, and, again, doing the work of God relates to being filled with the Spirit and specifically then using the gift that God gives you. Godly people, men and women, who are being once used by God, are filled with the Spirit, are doing then, carrying out their work, using the gift God gives them. Chapter, chapter 9.31, we continue. A great big picture verse. The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. The comfort or the encouragement is, is probably, I think, a better word, a bigger word, bigger picture word than comfort. They went on. They were growing. They were doing good because of the fear of the Lord and because of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Then we go to chapter 13. Now we read about the mission of the church. 13, verse 3. Then, they, when, then when they had laid, fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole land, as far as Paphos, they found a magician, what goes on. The point is, it was the Holy Spirit. God does work in churches. God starts churches that relates to the Holy Spirit. If you want to think about what's going on over in Ukraine, there's no doubt that the Spirit is actively working. And a good prayer. God, send your Holy Spirit to all the believers. Give them fresh anointing this day, this week. The Holy Spirit is working in the lives, the believers, the churches over there. Turn to Acts 6, 16. One more, one more verse, set of verses here from... Uh, this book of Acts, 16, 16, 11. I love this, I love this picture here. It's, it's a picture of, a, of mission work, but it's a picture of how God works with us as well. Chapter 16, verse 6. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God in Asia. That's interesting. I thought the Spirit wanted the word of God to, you know, to go out. But here it says, no, the Holy Spirit is directing the mission effort and work of the church and didn't want them to go there. 
forbidden, it says there in, in that verse. Then it says, after they came to Messiah, they were trying to go into the Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by um, Messiah, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Moving then into the, what we call the European region of that part of the continent. It was a spirit who was directing the, the, the growth, the movement of the church at that time. And so too, whether it's this church as a whole or you individually, sometimes the Holy Spirit will stop you from doing what you want to do. Sometimes you feel like, man, I'm being prevented. Well, what's going on? Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is, whether it's speaking to your heart or some kind of circumstances, just not letting you do what you think you should do. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Christ, is working in your heart and sometimes in ways you just can't understand. So we're talking about the, the, the work, the involvement, necessity of the Holy Spirit and the start of the church here, these verses here in the book of Acts. And, of course, we all understand this is a simple thing to say. Is throughout church history, and now we're 2,000 years along, the Holy Spirit, day after day and year after year, century after century, has been involved in the work of individuals and in churches. The Spirit is causing the church to grow. That's what the Spirit is doing. Apart from the Spirit, no church can truly and properly grow. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot grow. Again, in a good little prayer, good Lord, help this church to grow by your Spirit. Pray for that to happen. By the work of the Spirit, Christ builds and causes the church to grow in just the way that he wants we sometimes have heard about revivals in, in times past. And, and revivals are special seasons when, when really two things are really powerful. And it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God are really affecting people in a particular locality or region or church. And it's good to pray for revival. I'm not saying that's a good thing. And we've seen it throughout the years, throughout the centuries. There have been revivals. And the Spirit of God is doing an extraordinary work. Uh, really, of course, it's always supernatural, but much beyond the norm, so to speak. And so that's what's happening. It's the Spirit. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And we, we're talking here about the work of the Spirit in the church. And again, just given an overview this, this morning. But Acts chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Ephesians two eighteen. For through him, through him, through Christ... We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. There's that Trinitarian work. You have Christ and the Spirit and the Father in one verse. Through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Of course, this is one of the best sections of verses uh, on the Bible about we shouldn't be racist, okay? This talks about it here. As believers, we're all one in Christ. It makes no difference who you are, what color you are. It's excellent. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens, with the, fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, that's the whole church, universal, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Right now, this church worldwide, universal, is growing in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit is essential, whether it's your life, whether it's his church, whether it's all the churches in the world. And in the future, after Christ comes back, we'll see. We'll see this church together. It's going to be a most, most glorious, glorious thing. Okay, let's now go to Galatians. Look at a few verses in Galatians. And a little more practical things about the working of the Spirit in your life. Verse 16, you're probably familiar with these verses. Galatians 5, 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I'll go along, and we all have temptations to sin, and sometimes we do good, sometimes we don't. The Spirit, the Spirit will help you to be doing right. We're to walk by the Spirit, just like we physically walk, so too we are to spiritually walk. You all walked into this building here, you're going to walk out of this building, you're going to go places today, you're going to walk, you're going to walk this week and Monday, you're going to walk, right? And the whole idea of walk is that you're going someplace. Whenever you walk, you're going someplace. Whether it's in your house and you're going from one room to the next. Whether you're going to see a friend, you're walking. The idea of walking is that there's purpose and 
direction. That's the point. Purpose and direction. So every day of our lives then, and all day long, we are to be walking in the Spirit. Just like you physically walk, you're to be walking in the Spirit. And this, this is a mammoth thing. I mean, you think about it, hey, I want to I walk perfectly today in the Spirit. It's a challenge. Life is hard. There's temptation. There's the flesh. There's the world. But this is the goal. I want to walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, it says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So you have the word walk, now you have the word led. We're to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit is our leader, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit, wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants you to follow Him. That's what He wants. Every day, then, we're to be sensitive to the Spirit and His leadership every day, and then be doing what He wants us to do. My, my work, I work out of the home. It's a little more easier for, for me than maybe some of you who work in an office building or someplace, but... And so there are different times. I, I'm, I'm a list person, so every morning I write out my list of 10 or 20 things to do that day. Just, you know. But during the day, there will be times when I, I'll stop. and Not stop, I'll, I'll just pray. So, Lord, what do you want me to do now? What's on your mind? What are you thinking? And you know what happens? It's invariably, invariably happens. It's just a simple thing to do. You pray, and God will put things into your mind. Now, these are good things. Because if it's a bad, unrighteous thought, that's not from the Lord. But good things. The Spirit then is speaking to your spirit and leading you. We're talking about being led by the Spirit. That's what he wants, wants for you. Turn to Psalm 143. This is one of my favorite verses on leading by the Spirit. Psalm 143, verses 8 through 10. 143, 8. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. Isn't that a great verse? I want to hear your loving kindness in the morning. I'm going to trust in you. and You need to teach me what you want me to do today. For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Why is that verse there? Because a little opposition to doing what God wants. Then you go to verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So again, for you to be a Christian, a godly, growing, healthy, mature, fruitful Christian, the spirit has got to be actively involved in your life. It's got to be. I mean, if you just leave here in one prayer, Holy Spirit, help me be a better Christian. That's really all we're saying. There's a lot we're saying beside that, but that's, that's the big picture. Let me go to verse... Galatians 5, 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So it says it again, but you have to understand the word walk here is a different word than the word that we saw in verse 16. That's why the Greek is helpful. And people like me, I need to know what the Greek says because you see different things like this. Okay, verse 16, here's the point. Verse 16 has to more, more to do with your individual walk as a Christian. Walk by the Spirit, and you individually will not carry out the desire of the flesh. This one here has to do with your walking in relationship with other people and other, particularly other believers. That's the idea. Uh, one version says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and then you will have good relationships. You'll be working with other Christians, involved with other Christians, united with other Christians in doing the work God wants, because as you all know, we're not to here, be here as loners. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We're to be working with other Christians. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us then individually and collectively. That's what we're saying here. Galatians 5.22. Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So you see the value of this passage in the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit and led with the Spirit and keeping a step with the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, of course, we know these nine character qualities here. And this is, this is an encouraging, wonderful picture of Christ because he was always walking by the Spirit, always led by the Spirit, always filled with the Spirit, always bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And all these nine qualities are right here all the time. And so what should be one of your objectives in life? To bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, all these things. All, this is what God wants you. Against such things, there's no law. That is, God really wants this for you. You say, oh, I don't, man, life is so I can't. No, no, this is what God wants for you. And, and, and that's why being a Christian is something that happens over the course of a life, right? You get saved. I got saved when I was 18. 
In fact, you know what it was? It was 50 years ago this month, 50 years ago, 1972, February. Over the course of your life, God is teaching you. He is training you. That's why you need the days and the weeks and the months, because you need to learn. It doesn't happen in a day. And that's why as Christians, we need to be ones, hey, I'm going to get up and keep going. I fell today. I fell yesterday. It was a hard week. Okay, this is a new week. I'm going to keep going. By the Spirit, God's Spirit will help you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so to have the fruit of the Spirit, it's by the leading and the power and the work of the Spirit in your life. Well, this one question, or bigger question, how can we then be led by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and and bear the fruit of the Spirit? How can this happen? This is very important. I want to just share four different principles here, and there might be more, but these are four basic ones because this is what you're thinking. Hey, boy, this, having this Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, this is really good stuff. It's most important, critically important for your life for every Christian. First, be filled up with the Word of God. Be filled up with the Word of God. And so there's a direct correlation and connection between being filled with God's Word and God's Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to um, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. And this is very practical. Because sometimes be filled with the Spirit, sort of like fuzzy. Okay, what does this Spirit mean? No, you know, not that we want to ever go by our feelings, but verse 18, Ephesians 5, do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 is the parallel passage here. A sister passage, Colossians three sixteen, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him to God the Father. So what we see is see the same result in the Ephesians five passage and in the Colossians three, the same result. But what's what's the initial thing? Well, one says be filled with the Spirit; the other says be filled with God's Word. So the whole point is to be filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with God's Word. You cannot separate those two. It's got to happen. Be filled with this. God's Word results in being filled with the Spirit. So what do you do? You think about God's Word. You read God's Word. I mean, it about always happens for me. I'm not saying always, but I read the Word and think about the Word, and I get encouraged. And there's the working to the Spirit using the Word to encourage me or to motivate me or to strengthen me, to help me to keep going, to endure, whatever it might be. And so getting the Word of God in you is critical. And here's, here's an, a verse that, that shares that too, Ephesians 6, 6.18. It says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So you imagine, just imagine the Holy Spirit in you, okay? You might see the little man in your well, Anyway, they got the Holy Spirit. And what is the sword of the Spirit. What is it? What does it say? It's the Word of God. So you want to feed the Spirit the Word of God. The Holy Spirit wants to fight for you, and he fights for you as you're filled up with his Word. Critically important to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled up then with God's Word. Next, be willing to do what God wants you to do. There's a willingness. We say, God, here I am. The Isaiah 6 verse, here I am, send me. Be willing to do what God wants. That verse in Ephesians 5.18, the command, be filled with the Spirit. You have to be willing. Yes, Lord, I want that. Or some other command God gives you. You want to be willing to do what God wants. And this can be a tough one because we're going through life and our little selves are stubborn. We have our ideas, our thoughts, our agendas, things we want to do. Are you willing to do whatever God wants? Whatever. Whatever. So this past week, for example, I was going to put out a, a blog post I do every couple weeks or so. I had one that was ready to go. There's one from Philippians. And then this little Ukraine situation takes place. I says, oh, golly. And I said, oh, Lord, I, I got this one written. I want to go with this. He says, no, no, no. You have to do what I want you to do here. Okay, okay. So, so to write on it, and there's the factual the poster back there on the table, some of the copies. If you want to read them, you can pick them up or go to the internet. ChristKingdom.org. But, but the point is, Sometimes the Spirit tells you to do things, and you don't want to do it. And, and I'm sure you've all had that struggle. It's a good thing, but you just don't want to, for whatever reason. 
It takes humility. It takes a willingness. Okay, Lord, I'm your servant. You know, you're in charge. You own me. I don't own you. You, you. Okay, I'll do what you want. So that's that willingness is very, very important. Third one, you can't have any known sin in your heart. I say any known sin. None of us are perfect. We won't be sinless till we get to heaven. You can't have any known sin. If you're actively, actively, keyword, actively sinning against God, then you can't at that same time, at that same time, being said yes to God, at that same time, then being filled up with the Holy Spirit. You just can't. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and sin are in direct opposition to one another. The Holy Spirit is holy, and sin is not holy. It's just a simple thing. So you're going through life, and, and you know, well, things aren't going so good. Well, is there some sin that you're sinning? It could be something, a thought sin, you know, anger or fear or lust, anything, or some verbal sin. So you say, Lord, is there something? Search me, know my heart, see if there's any hurtful way in me. So that point, First Thessalonians 5, 19 says you're not to quench the spirit. The word quench actually is a word that means put out the fire. And so the whole point is, is God's spirit is in us. And when you sin, you're putting out the fire. Y'all have done this. I'm sure you've all took water and put out a fire. You're quenching the spirit. I mean, the spirit leaves you, but you can't operate the way you want because sin and the Holy Spirit don't go along. Ephesians 4.30 tells you not to grieve the spirit. Again, similar, not to grieve the spirit, not to make the spirit sad. And this, is, this, this should hopefully touch us a little bit. You, know, you, don't, you don't as a person want to make somebody sad, do you? I mean, I hope all of you, you know, you just don't like to make somebody sad. You want to make people feel good and glad and happy. Oh, that's, that's normal. That's good. But think about this. If you're not doing what's right, you're making the spirit sad. The spirit is an emotional being, okay? You're, you're grieving the spirit, and you don't want to do that. So that's why it, it, this is important here. So you can't have any known sin. The, the fourth one, this isn't on my outline here, notes, but I mentioned it before, is to pray. We see that in the book of Acts. Uh, I give you the example is to pray. You get up every morning. Lord, fill me with your word today. Fill me with the spirit. Let's just pray. Pray. Help me to be sensitive to the spirit. You know, if there's some kind of sin, to turn from it, whatever. So it's, it's prayer. So the, these four things, to summarize, then to be filled with the spirit, you have to be filled up with the God's word. You have to be willing to do what God wants you to do. You have to be one who's saying no to sin. And then fourthly, you need to pray. And when you're filled with the spirit then you'll be doing what God wants you to do. You will be. It is a wonderful truth. It's really basic. But sometimes as people, we can be sort of complex. I mean, we're not just simple. We're simple on one hand. We're not simple on others. There's complexity relates to our mind and our thoughts and the life we live and our relationships and the things we do. But the Spirit can make things simple for you. Romans 8. Romans 8. I'm not going to read this whole section, but I'm going to read a few verses. But it's so good. This, this is the, I, I could have spent the whole time just here in Romans 8, but I'm just going to just read part of it here. Starting verse 9 to 17, and I'm not going to really teach on it. I'm just going to read it, and then you can come back and read it later. Romans 8, verse 9, However, you're not in this flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Real simple. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved says, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Very simple. How do you get life, real spiritual life, through the spirit? Verse 12, so then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's very practical. You're going through life. Every day you're going to be tempted. Every day, thinking about things you want to do. By the Spirit, as you go through the day, you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You will live. So to live by the Spirit is an active daily thing. It really is. That's what we're saying. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, true sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you received 
a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit then helping us have this relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit works in us, helping us to have this confidence, this assurance of our relationship with him. And of children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with them. That's a great section of verses. Go back to chapter verse 1 to get the whole context, but I want you to read that, and it'd be a good sometime this week, whether it's today or tomorrow or for your quiet time, whatever. We see in these, in vor- these verses and the importance of the Spirit in walking with God and living for God and staying close to God and being ones who are holy, and also goes on to talk about in suffering for God. So, in conclusion, let's just pray. God, help us individually, help us collectively as a, as a church. And, and God, might your, your, your spirit fill us up more. I mean, it's a great way to pray for people. You pray for other believers. Holy Spirit, fill them up. Holy Spirit, sanctify them. Help them to live rightly. Empower them. Help them to speak the word of God. It's, it's a great, simple prayer. Pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us, to fill us up, to help us be ones then who are doing what God wants. Zechariah 4, 6, very simply, says, Not by might nor by power, but but by your Spirit, says the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We bless you for your words that you've given us. Indeed, there's a lot here. We just really skimmed it. And I pray, Father, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, help each person individually here be who you want them to be and do what you want them to do and lead them, protect them, give them strength and courage and power to to, to be be filled up with the Spirit and to bear fruits of the Spirit and to be a testimony, a witness, to be ones who then are boldly speaking forth the Word of God. That's what we want for us individually and for this church, for all the churches, Lord, in this city, for the churches in Ukraine. We pray for the believers there, God, give them grace. Help them. Oh, man, the trial of their life, to say the least. You're living in a city that's being bombed by enemies who are just brutal bullies, to say the least, the, the Russian, at least the Russian leader. We pray, God, for your help there, your special working. A lot of believers over there, a lot of believers are in that country. I just pray that you'd use us to help them as believers, but also the lost, that they would turn to you. There'd be a real revival, people getting saved at this time. We ask you for this. Thank you again for this church, for what you're doing. Do pray for Steve up in Aurora, that you would lead him and bless him. Thank you for others that couldn't be with us today. People like Gene, uh, Lord, who is, is, is keeping on going, Lord, um, but still frail, and others who can't be with us. But thank you for each one here. Lord, lead us, guide us, protect us, use us, God. Thank you so much for the love you have for us, and might we be filled up with your love and your spirit and your word for your purposes and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.